Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode is dedicated to a very well-loved individual. It has been four years since he's left the service. Son, uncle, father, husband, friend, and mentor, Andreas Degonis. He was my father. May his memory be eternal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet. And this evening, we are featuring writer, producer, director, and CEO of Angry Troll Studios and a revolutionary for the way that we look at the genre of horror films. And to join me upon the GPR journey as a co-host is my friend and mentor, Pete Pitts from The Walking Dead. May they both be welcomed, and please enjoy the show. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing out there? Hey, what's hello, going on? Hello. Oh, my goodness. Matt, it is so good to hear your voice again after how, after how many weeks now? Oh, what a joy. Oh, it's been several. Yes. Yeah. And Pete, I got a Thank welcome you for you too. Me. You're, yes, not, not, not a problem. And Pete, I got to welcome you as well. You are now aboard the GPR journey. How do you feel, man? Oh, I am pumped up right now. It's not just because of the espresso roast coffee. I am literally pumped right now. <laughs> so excited to be here. That's awesome. <laughs> All righty. So let's get down to business here. Matt, you got a beautiful accent, and I know it originates from somewhere. Give me some detail on that. Where are you from originally, man? I am from a small town sort of between Wilmington, North Carolina, and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, called Chadburn, North Carolina. And um, my family were kind of like the people from Duck Dynasty, but yet I went to a majority black school. So my accent is mm-hmm. somewhere between redneck and ebonics. So. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Nice. Wow, I love that. Yeah. Oh, well, my Matthew. Goodness. I would just like to jump right in about your company. What or who is the inspiration behind Angry Troll Studios? Angry Troll Studios was we. Were, I've been working in movies for a long time um, since The Crow back in the day and the original Ninja Turtles film. But John Carl Buechler took me under his wing, and he is known for making films like Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven and Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors, and and things. And um. He passed away um, in 2019, and when he died, we renamed the the company to Angry Troll in honor of him because there was a troll movie he made back in the 80s. A lot of people thought it was kind of cheesy and corny, but it's a movie he loved. So, so we renamed the studio out of his to pay our respects to John Carl Buechler. Wow, dude, that is legendary. Yes, and, <laughs> and make so his awesome. memory be eternal. Yes, of Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Like Yes. May his memory be eternal. Wonderful. Wow. Okay, so you're one of the members you were one of the members of the Foot Clan in the first TMNT film in nineteen ninety. How was that experience for you? That was a great experience and 
actually working with a guy named Derek Crenshaw, um, and we were doing set dressing and things like that. And um, mm-hmm. one of the Foot Clan members got sick that day, so they didn't have a guy that could do nunchucks. And I just threw my hand up. I said, I- so I was in the scene doing the nunchucks against Michelangelo. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that is so awesome. I've I've got to say, Matthew, I believe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was my second movie ever in theaters. I think it was Batman and then Ninja Turtles. So you did a fantastic job, and that's so awesome. That brings me to my next question. Are you a big fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, yeah. From from back in the day, from the black and white Eastman and Laird comic books to, to through all the incarnations of their cartoons, TVs, I actually had their toys growing up. So I love the Ninja Turtles. I'm a, I'm a very oh, big me fan. Too. Me too. <laughs> and we know Sophia is also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am a big fan myself. And, and the last two films, I got I to gotta throw this in, the last two films of uh, 2014 and 16. Those films kind of blew me away a little bit because of the design. And um, it, and, and when I took a look at the storyline, I thought to myself, there's got to be a third one along the way. They actually were planning for a third one, and they, they canceled it for some reason. And I was like, why did they do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, love the, um, I love the way they actually brought the technodrome into it and Krang and, and how good everything looked. And um, – I'm actually going to make an offer to the guy that played Raphael um, for an upcoming movie we have coming from Angry Cho Studios. I can't disclose anything about it now, but you talking yes. about that movie <laughs> reminded me I need to yes. put an offer in there next week. <laughs> oh, awesome. I, love, I would love to see that. Oh, my goodness. Believe me, I would. I'm, I'm, I'm eager for that one. Trust me. All righty. So, um, yes. Next question. Okay. I know, Matt, that you love creating characters for your films, and, and I know of your life that have inspired those characters. What do you love best about creating characters for films? You know, I want characters with substance. You know, I just don't want to throw a character in there just to fill up time on the screen. I want a character that people can relate to, that they can build a bond with. I mean, even if it's the villain or whatever, I just want them to develop a relationship with these characters so they want to see more of them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. The stories have to be deep, and and they have to be the intricacies of the characters, I guess you would say, whether they're good or bad, what road led them to be this way. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely. Those are... Mm-hmm. Definitely great points and uh, great reasoning for, for creating characters. It's great to have that foundation. And mm-hmm. on to the next question, speaking of villains, we know that you enjoy paranormal and horror films. So we're curious, what are three elements that you love about paranormal horror films and why? Well, um, I guess the elements of it is <laughs> is just I love to to see people in that raw emotion of fear, not with a lot of gore and everything, but something that deep down what gets you scared, what what in your mind, um, you know, would keep you from seeing what's on the other side of that door or whatever. So so I guess making it 
bringing real fear to the screen and making it believable. No matter what universe you create, whether it's a it is a paranormal universe or anything, make everything believable so the the audience gets lost in it. And then okay. I always like leaving a little cliffhanger at the end to to just keep them hanging on to be like, what's next? So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, and I hate that as a fan too. But I love it. <laughs> you know, so you, you do a, a great job, clearly. Thank yeah, you. very much. Yes. Okay. So, what do you want your audience to think about after they watch Detour '95? Basically, do not judge people by their appearance. That's the main thing that they're going to take away from Detour 95. Um, this this whole story um, that also um, co-stars Siren Misfallen, um, that's also in the, t- the TV show that we're filming called The Pit about paranormal research, um, she plays a character named Candace. And what we did was we actually created like a mini Marvel universe. So we've got Three franchises, one about Johnny Jones, one that's about Detour 95, and the other one is the Street Avenger. Each franchise has three films, and then it actually has one epic crossover where all these worlds collide in a way that makes sense and and really bring, like, freight trains in a head-on collision. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking all of that out for sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, Thank you. Yeah. So about about your past, did you watch horror films for motivation when you were younger, or did you watch a lot of horror films? Basically, the horror films that that I grew up with were were like Friday the Thirteenth, The Nightmare on Elm Street, The Evil Dead, you know, Phantasm, uh, things like that. But um, you know, the things about like like Jason Voorhees, I kind of considered it um, from part, parts two all the way to part seven that, that my mentor, John Carl Buechler, did. I kind of liked that that area of the movies. I didn't <laughs> really like when it started getting into Manhattan and all these other places. Yeah, but, um, that was a bit much. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, but you, you go back into, like, Friday the 13th, part three and four, those were, like, my inspirations of classic slasher movies. Um, you know, Freddy Krueger did a did a great. I mean, I love what Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, just that the way Robert England had just made that character come alive. And originally, that character was supposed to be for a guy like Jason Voorhees size, but Robert England went in and auditioned, and he sold himself. <laughs> so, wow, and that made history. <laughs> yes, That's awesome. if they'd have went the other way, it would have probably been forgotten. Wow. Yeah, he's definitely one of the most unique characters of all time. So I yeah. definitely was watching all those movies as well. <laughs> yeah, I love what Bruce Campbell did with Ash, and, and I heard he's coming back for one more, so so I can't wait to see it. Yes, I'm looking forward to that as well. Bruce is a legend. Yes, he is. Very much so. All right, Matt, let's get to my question here. What or who got you into movie making? I want to dig into the, into those roots of your tree here. Well, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> From the time I was a kid, 
I would get uh, the old eight millimeter camera or whatever, and um, mm-hmm. and go outside and film little movies with my friends. And because it didn't have a microphone on it, we would watch the um, <laughs> we would we would play the the film back on the wall of our hallway, and and we would actually um have a tape recorder and microphone to where we'd make all the sound effects and dialogue, and then try to match them up and play them together. So <laughs> I've always been into it since I was a little kid. But um, I met a guy named Derek Crenshaw, who was a set painter. That I mean, that actually, like in The Crow, you think that there's long hallways and everything, um, you know, in the backgrounds and all this kind of stuff. This guy actually, me and him painted all that stuff. And, um, and he's the one that sort of got me into the world and into wanting to be more involved with films. And um, at the end of, of uh, Super Mario Brothers, they, you know, they take rollers and they start painting over that little portal. Well, that portal was a hand painting that we did. <laughs> so so Derek Crenshaw is the one that got me started, and John Carl Buechler is the one that sort of showed me the business. So those two men, I owe everything. Wow. That's uh, awesome, man. I hope I hope one day we can actually somehow see one of your original movies. It's, you know, for nostalgia and maybe for a laugh or, or maybe for a scare. Uh, I know my original film was a Twilight Zone episode my brother and I filmed with a really cheap camera. So it's always great to look back <laughs> at where we've come, isn't it? <laughs> it is, man. It is. And, and you know, it's just that, that emotion, that creativity and everything. And I never want to lose that childlike wonder over my stories, you know. That's, that's, that's what oh. keeps it refreshing, I believe. I love that. Well, next question uh, we'd like to ask, who or what is your go-to actor or your go-to film for inspiration whenever you're feeling like you're just running on empty and you need some some motivation? You know, honestly, um, it's not horror genre or anything else. I love, like, movies with, like, Harrison Ford and Tom Hanks and people that, that when they portray a character, you can believe that they've been this character their whole life. So, you know, um, I know that, that I'm known a lot for horror, but the, but as Angry Troll is starting to produce its own um, films and everything else, we also have a slate of science fiction and action adventure and all kinds of stuff coming up also. It's just horror movies were the cheapest ones to produce to start off with. <laughs> but um, okay. but I, I like Indiana Jones and stuff like that, people that, that you know, have the odds against them and and um, when they're at the end of their rope, they just kind of tie a knot in and hang on. So that's that's kind of my inspiration. Oh, right on. <laughs> Very cool. Love it. Uh, now, this one is a fun one. Is there anyone you have met or would like to collaborate in a film that you have an idea for? If so, who? <sighs> There are two actors, actually, that I would like to team up with. One's name is Walton Goggins. Um, you might know him from from um, from uh, uh, the Vice Principals and things like that with Danny McBride. Um, and then mm-hmm. Billy yep. Bob Thornton. I have written a Southern heist movie that I have written just with these two guys in mind. And... Um, the only way I would make this movie is if I could get them to play these characters. Other than that, I just keep the script for myself, myself and let nobody ever see it. 
Wow. <laughs> those those guys are both legends for sure. Um, yes, I, I love Mr. Goggins as well, and, and of course Billy Bob Thornton. I think Sling Blade was a movie that just really made me love and appreciate him so much, and then I had to go back and try to see everything he's done. So hopefully that'll happen. Oh, yeah. for you. Hopefully you can get both of them. I wish, man. That would be a dream come true. Hey, dreams do come true. And um, on to our next question. You know, we're making dreams come true right here and in our own careers. And in your career, what kind of effects are you experimenting with in your films that you find fascinating to work with? Well, my, my the whole things that we're doing, especially working with these horror movies, are we're doing practical effects, you know, old school way, like John Carl Buechler used to do and taught me. Um, we're actually doing the practical effects, but then we have Chris Riley, who's our compositor, that um, that basically he did movies like Salt with Angelina Jolie and um, Green Lantern um, with Ryan Reynolds. He did the effects in those movies. And so when you wow. take his talent and put them together with the old school practical effects, you come up with some seamless stuff that just will blow your mind. And the stuff that we've got planned for movies like The Legend of Johnny Jones and STZ, um, it's basically, I mean, I can't wait to just sit there and watch the magic that these guys produce. So, so um, and anything that people say can't be done, we want to invent a way to make it happen. You know, we don't look at nothing as impossible. Amen to that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Directors are storytellers that bring the stories to life on the screen. Directing, what is one thing you like and one thing you don't like about it? I tell you what, it's when I said that I was going to direct my movie, everybody everybody told me, No, you gotta have a name or somebody that can that can actually, you know, that people know who they are. You you know, and I said, well, what about Sylvester Stallone? You know, what about Ben Affleck, Matt Damon? You know, they came along and they did their own stuff, and, and you know, mm-hmm. those guys won Oscars. So I was like, don't tell me what I can and can't do. So I kind of backed down, and then we kind of brought a director on board, um, Massimiliano um, Turkey or whatever, but – he started um he started emailing all the actresses behind my back asking them out instead of worrying about the movies started leaking information like with Jean-Claude Van Damme being in the movies um when we were absolutely not supposed to say who's in these movies and and um and then I looked at some of his stuff on Amazon and I'm like nah I'm taking the director ring back so <laughs> so um you know so wow. when when you when you have a vision you want to make sure that you what you bring your vision to that screen. Let the audience be the judge. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't do something. You know, do what you want to do, and and let the audience make that decision whether you did a good job or not. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree. If if you know you have that story, if you know you have that vision, then you just have to go for it. I actually worked yeah. with one of the young, the youngest Oscar-winning director or the youngest director had the most. Oscars, Damien Chazelle. I worked with him on a movie mm. called First Man a couple years ago, and he got so many Oscars from La La Land. Well, he was criticized, and he was, you know, just like Sylvester Stallone, just like Ben Affleck and everyone you mentioned, just like yourself. 
you know, all these people are told, including you, hey, you can't do this or, you know, you don't have what gives you the right or what gives you the authority or what gives you the, the you know, the vision to do it. But if you know exactly. you have it, you have it. You just got to go for it. That's right. That's right. You, 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 I mean, you know, everybody had to start somewhere and, and, you know, it's kind of like the credit situation. You need credit to get credit, but nobody's willing to give you credit. So you'll have it. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's the same in this industry. Everybody wants you to, to, they're so scared to step outside the box. You know what I mean? They're scared to go too far with something origin, original, but that's what the film industry needs right now is originality and something different. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, speaking yeah. of that, that actually brings us to our next question. So as far as your unique style, your unique filmmaking process, what do you want your audience to think about from a general standpoint when they're watching your films? You know, I'm kind of uh, – I miss the storytelling of the 80s. That's what I miss. Um, And so, you know, I'm trying to bring back classic storytelling, but with the modern technologies of some of the the effects and things that we can do today, I just want to to stop turning out a movie just because it's got explosions in it or, or something like that. You know what I mean? I want to, I actually want, I want them to, to, be so involved in the story that they're debating on the way home. Like, why do you think this character did that? You think they'll be back? What's going on? You know, I want to, to, to put something in front of people that they remember that they will talk about and that they'll want to see long after I'm gone. Okay. I think those are some of the best films in the world. The films that make you think like that. Me too. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, coming back to real life for a moment, name one person within your family that has supported your endeavors. Oh, my God. That would have to be my wife, Tisha. Um, And she is actually, I have turned over the role of CEO of Angry Troll Studio to her. I am founder of Angry Troll Studio now, and she is the the management of day-to-day. She is the only one that believed in me. My dad told me, when I came out of high school, <laughs> check this, I had a full scholarship offer for the Parsons School of Art in New York. I had a job offer with Marvel and an internship offer with Disney Animation, but I had already signed up for the military, so I ended up going to the military. Um, mm-hmm. But my own father told me art is not a real job. He said you would be more honorable riding, a, riding the back of a trash truck every day than to try to make movies. So Tisha's the only one that supported me. Wow. Well, Matthew, I just want to say first, thank you for your service. Uh, that means a lot. And Thanks, I definitely under, I definitely understand the that mentality. Growing up in a small town in Tennessee myself, I was told that constantly, that being in Hollywood was a ridiculous goal. And, you know, unfortunately, most people don't see the visions that we have. Um, you know, if, if they're if they're for us and they're our vision, then we have to reveal that to the world. And sometimes, you know, we just have to show the world, hey, this is this is what's in my heart, this is what's in my mind. And you know, you may not have seen it initially, but you're going to see it when when the movie comes out. Uh, That's right. And so yeah, so so back to the current um, current life. This is something that's obviously on everyone's mind pretty much all the time. And so this is going to be a two part question. 
What do you think of this COVID-19 culture that we're now living in, and how do you see it changing the way that we view films? Well, here's here's the situation is that um, when it comes to, to COVID and everything, and, you know, I'm all about being cautious and stuff like that, but I'm not about being paranoid and panicked. Um, the 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 death rate compared with the with the you know survival with the people that are surviving this thing is is just I mean it's it's to me it's more like a common flu or something. Um, but um, I agree. It has it has changed everything, and you know me and me and Tisha. And um, Kevin Sorbo were talking a couple of weeks ago that used to play Hercules, and and it's just like we can't believe how people right now they're so scared uh, about being accepted. Um, so they're scared to state an opinion, or they're scared to to go against anybody because the unions and everything control Hollywood. And and I'm always been the type of person where if I apply for a job and you turn me down, hell, I'll buy the company. <laughs> so so I, I work a little different than other yeah. people. Um, it, it's, I do not believe that people should be as panicked about COVID as they are. I mean, because right now people, the, the whole virus and your views basically depend on what political party you, you belong to. And, and I wish that everybody could put a, put, Aside the pettiness, regardless of their affiliation, and just come together and be Americans and just do the right thing and stop acting like kids. Um, so, I mean, we seem to be in a a situation where, in a society now, where everybody can hurt other people's feelings, but yet it's wrong if they get their own feelings hurt. And I'm just, I don't know. I just wish the world would grow up a little bit, if that makes sense. Oh, well said, man. I agree completely. <laughs> Yes. Amen to that. Yes. So that brings me to the next question. It's like, what do you want to achieve with this current culture we have? And I think you just about answered it. But if you have something extra to say to add to that answer, go ahead. If if you're not scared to work and you're not scared to to be an individual, and if you are are not scared to make movies, then team up with me because I'm not stopping. You know what I mean? We're going to be precautious. I mean, I. We'll 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 have like COVID tests or whatever you need and and all that kind of stuff before we start filming or and we'll sequester everybody man in the in if we got to go to Celtic Studios or wherever where they got apartments inside the the you know the 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 studio walls and and we'll make a movie man I'm just I don't know we got to work everybody in the entertainment industry cannot sit around and wait on what can happen. We got to make money. We got to entertain people and we got to keep moving. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. I agree. And that's, that's happening to some extent. I know Tyler Perry here in Atlanta has already finished one show with an entire sequestered crew and uh, they had a 0% COVID contraction. So yeah, you're right. You know, we have to keep entertaining. So uh, moving right along, Mm -hmm. who is on the roster for any films that you're working on, if you can reveal that, if there's any NDA issues that you can talk about. Well, right now, just because of the fear of, of COVID-19 that a lot of these bigger stars don't even want to know, let people know because they're actually bringing their families with them to the studio and everything. 
The only ones right. that I can that I can talk to right now, uh, talk about right now, are just the ones that are on um, IMDb, like uh, Danny Trejo and and Clifton Powell and Isaac C. Singleton from Pirates of the Caribbean and and Planet of the Apes, and you know, just the ones listed on IMDb. I can talk about the other ones that we cannot add them to the IMDb until the films are wrapped. That makes sense. Well, that's still awesome. Danny Trejo, I mean, all those guys, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. these guys are on my page, too. <laughs> yep, pretty much so. Yeah. So what is one factor in our current culture you find potential in writing a horror film about? Oh, man. Um, well, Detour 95, you know, it is based around the human trafficking market. So it it really hits on a realistic topic, and hopefully it'll bring some 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 awareness to the topic. And we actually plan on donating um, proceeds from the film to help combat human trafficking. Um, the Legend of Johnny Jones uh, deals with a lot of of mental abuse and 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 different things of that nature that show basically how you can push somebody too far. And what can happen? So, and it's a lot of current things. Actually, the Legend of Johnny Jones launches the first African American um, horror icon to the same level as Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and Leatherface. So, we're really excited about that. And he's going to be played by Robert Creighton of Wu Tang's uh, of the the Wu Tang series on Hulu, and he was in Ballers with The Rock. Oh yeah, awesome. Thank you for bringing light to that because it's a topic that people often find uncomfortable and just would rather shove under the rug. But um, you know, it's real life. So I have one That's final what question. We want to bring to. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And thank you. Uh, so my final question for you is: We've seen a lot of negative things in 2020, a lot of challenges, a lot of devastation. Could you tell us one thing that you found joy in this year, in the year 2020? You know, man, if you've been to where. I've been in my life um, from from homelessness to being shot at for this country to everything else. To wake up breathing, you should be happy. You should find the positivity in everything. So me, regardless of what's been going on, I've steady been working. I've steady been trying to get funded projects to keep actors working, to keep crew working, because that's what they need to get back on their feet to recover from COVID-19. So I see the silver lining around every cloud. I will not fill my life with negativity, and I will keep pushing forward every day. And if, if that's the type uh, atmosphere people want to be around and follow me, because that's where I'm headed. Oh, I love that, man. Love that. Thank you for sharing, Matthew. That's been awesome. <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. All righty then. What a wonderful evening this has been. For those of you just tuning in, this is GPR and BTR, but you can also find Gypsy Poet Radio on iHeartRadio. You can find it on Google Play, uh, looking for podcasts. You can also find it on iHeart.com as well as Pandora and Spotify. So more than you're more than welcome to tune in to any of those platforms to listen in on this show. And, of course, with a, when the show is finally over, it's going to be um, archived and it's going to be saved on all the podcast platforms that you listen Internet. I just want to say thank you so much for my, to my co-host showing a lot of love out there to, in Atlanta, Georgia, to Pete Hits 
what a joy it was. You are off to a wonderful start in the world of podcasting, and I'm glad that you appeared on my show this evening and many more shows to come. I also want to give a big, yes, no problem. I want to give a big virtual hug to the one and only Matthew Clark. My goodness, what a great show this was. The most, one of the most substantial conversations I've, I've had in a long time. And of course, I have to say, I have to shout out to Angry Troll Studios and to Tisha, Tisha. And of course, Siren, Siren Miss Fallen for, uh, for calling in last week and uh, giving support to GPR and, um, and bringing, Angry Troll Studios onto the map of web, of the web presence, and thank you so so much to both of you guys for making GPR a blast and a wonderful listening experience. And your story, Matthew, is going to go very very far. I anticipate extremely wonderful stuff in the near future from you. Well, thank you for having me tonight. Not a problem, Matthew. I'm looking right. forward to a lot more to, in the future. Hey, man, we're going to have to hang out in Atlanta sometimes. That's hometown now. Absolutely. <laughs> we will, for sure. <laughs> yes, Thank you, Sophia. Absolutely. Yeah, not a problem. Okay. This is the Gypsy Poet with Pete Pitts and Matthew Clark signing off saying, adio for now. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Later. <laughs>